Good evening. Good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have those of you joining with us uh, there online, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Be sure to like, to heart, to share, retweet, all those things you need to do. Uh, be sure to subscribe uh, to our uh, YouTube channel there uh, and click that notification bell. You'll get those notifications every time we go live. Uh, but if you want to give us prayer requests, be sure you do that over on Facebook tonight. Follow us on Facebook. You'll get that same kind of notification when we go live. Uh, but follow us there and then comment there if you have any prayer requests you want to share. So go ahead and do that uh, before it gets too far, and that way by the time we get to that point, uh, we'll already have those from you. And then also just want to welcome those on our phone live streaming. If you need that number, please let me know. We'll be glad to give that to you. Uh, call the church office. We'll be glad to share that with you. Uh, also, don't forget that if you're at home, you can go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. If you'll go to the far, uh, not to the far right hand, but the, the, just about two, three tabs over, uh, you'll come to the info tab there. Under the info tab, you'll find the worship bulletin, you'll find the monthly newsletter. Uh, that should also be up on the website for the month of February uh, for our new newsletter, so be sure to look at that. Uh, we've also got children's worship bulletins that are there. If you need any of those things in person, uh, they're over here uh, to my right in the windowsill, uh, as well as at the doors as you go out. So be sure to get those, uh, except for our newsletter. Uh, that is not there. Uh, you, sh you get those in the mail, or you can download it there uh, off the internet. You can also download the prayer list for tonight from the info uh, link there. Uh, you'll find that under that also, so be sure to get that downloaded. If you need these in person and didn't get one when you came in, there should be on the front pew. If you see someone come in a little bit later, make sure they get one. And then also, we've got these back on the front pew again. If you want one of these and didn't get one of these the last couple of weeks, uh, on the, nation, the kings of Israel and Judah, uh, one side is the northern kingdom, which is uh, the kings of Israel. Uh, the southern kingdom is on the other side. That's the kings of Judah, and so I encourage you to take a look at that uh, and you'll see uh, some of the kings that we're talking about as we go through the book of Hosea uh, and those things. So if you want that, that's available uh, for you. Uh, if you need that on the website, uh, or I mean on Facebook or any of those platforms, just comment there, let us know, and we'll make sure to get that to you. I think that's it that I had to share. Oh, don't forget Saturday, because uh, I know I'll forget it at the end. Uh, don't forget Saturday is our chili cook-off and bake-off also. Uh, we've added that component to it uh, also. So the, the chili cook-off is going to support the youth going to camp. The bake-off is supporting the children going to camp. So either way you want to go, if you want to do both, please sign up on the board out in the hallway. Uh, or if you're at home and you're planning to come Saturday to do that, uh, call us at the church office and let us know so we can get your name on there. Uh, we want to make sure we don't miss anybody who's going to do that. And then come and help us eat some chili and, and support our youth and support our children. Uh, so that's going to be this Saturday. Time. I don't think I have that before me. It's probably in my bulletin and it was scrolling on your screen beforehand. Uh, it's at 5.30 on Saturday. Uh, so come and join us for that 5.30 this Saturday. Brother Mike. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Tonight, we're going to sing hymn 300 without him. 300. Without him, life. 
things here so I have my phone open to Facebook there if you make any comments there of any prayer requests so be sure to take the time to do that um, as we go into our prayer uh, request time uh, you'll uh, hopefully have downloaded that or gotten a copy of that if you came in person uh, they're on the front pew there if you didn't get one uh, let me just uh, review a few and I'm gonna have to switch over on my phone to some uh, messages that I received today about some updates, so I uh, just want to share some of those things uh, with you. Uh, you'll notice on your prayer list, uh, let's kind of start, uh, if you will, over on the family side, the HBC family side. Uh, just want to continue to remember uh, Steve Connor uh, with his recovery from his carpal tunnel surgery. Uh, things going well there, but just com uh, continue to pray for him through that. Uh, continue to pray for David Hess. Uh, he started back his treatments, correct? Okay. Okay. So he's having a hard time the second time around. So uh, keep him in your prayers, uh, especially it's uh, really doing a number on him. So keep him in your prayers, uh, brother Jack. Okay. So brother Jack will be seeing a surgeon. You won't be having the surgery then. You'll just be consulting then. So uh, then we know surgery will probably be upcoming from that. But he's going to be seeing a surgeon in the in March there. So. Uh, just continue to remember him in prayer. Diane Tatum uh, continues to improve. She was here this past Sunday recovering from her back procedure, and so we praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, also, just want to continue to remember uh, Cindy Jordan. Uh, she's been in a lot of pain still, and so keep her in your prayers from uh, her back as well as from uh, her ribs uh, that she broke. Uh, remember Miss Bernice Cox uh, in your prayers. Um, she is um, Russ and Lori. Uh, Foster's is uh, Lori's mom, uh, and she's having some issues with dementia that continue to get worse. And so we want to uplift them in prayer, even though they are uh, down in Alabama, in Lower Alabama, in LA, <laughs> so, <laughs> down there. Uh, but we want to remember them in prayer. And then also we've added Donna Donna Adcock. Uh, they used to come. Uh, they're still members of our church, but she's dealing with breast cancer. So I want to pray for her. Uh, as well as pray for their whole family, I believe, uh, from what I was told also, that Ken's mom, uh, her house burned uh, sometime back here, and then just a few days after her house burned, then his mom passed away. And so just remember them in prayer for all of those things uh, that are going on there. If you'll look down to the um, nursing home list, uh, let me just switch back over to my messages here so I can share a little bit more about this one. This is Miss Janet Carter. Well, let me share first about Susie Barton. Uh, Susie Barton is sometime this week, from what we understand, going to be being moved uh, from NHC to Morning Point. So you want to pray for her as she makes that move and that transition that can be unsettling uh, with someone in her situation. So we want to keep her uh, in our prayers. And then... Yeah, that's what we had heard. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, Wanda Nichols is still not doing well uh, with her, uh, with the issues that she's been having with her kidneys. So we want to continue to remember her in prayer. That's Todd Nichols' mom. And then also Janet Carter. Uh, she is at NHC now uh, doing physical therapy. Uh, she did that twice today. Uh, she's trying really hard to learn to walk with that walker because she wants to get back home really, really bad. Uh, but they did, the neurologist did diagnose her with, some, with Parkinson's. And so they've started her on some medicine uh, 
uh, with that. And it seems like her tremors have kind of gone away some. Uh, Lynette said that she noticed that today she was able to stand up out of her chair with less difficulty. Uh, and so she still has a ways to go, uh, but seems to be progressing and will probably be there for two weeks is kind of what they've got scheduled. Uh, maybe a little bit more if she needs it, but at least two weeks and then hopefully she'll be able uh, to go home. And then also, uh, as you go over to the uh, friends and family side, uh, let me just give a few updates here. I want to remember Carrie Williams, of course, we mentioned her last week. Uh, she has COVID, strep, mono, uh, a lot going on there. So we just want to pray for her uh, and, and the situation there that she'll continue to recover. I think it's kind of gone through most of them there. Yeah. So she just can't get her energy level back from those things that she's gone through there. So remember her in prayer. Faye Gold Stacy is Sherry Yates's sister. Uh, she's got some medical issues uh, and has been in uh, the hospital. Hospital. She's been sent to a specialty hospital now. So we want to remember her in prayer. Uh, Brian Tate had asked us to add Candy Couch with some medical issues to the prayer list. And then Kinsley uh, Cates, uh, who's home recovering from the house fire. This is uh, Amy Jackson's great niece. The message that I had uh, from them in sharing an update was that she had a good night. Uh, she actually slept. She tried a medication that blocks nightmares and it worked. Uh, she did dream, but they were good dreams. She's showing more of her personality today. Uh, but according to Chelsea, she's in some denial there about the events that happened. She's been walking and sitting up a little more uh, and accepting this, they're accepting the small uh, victories there. And so just pray for God's strength uh, and God's patience uh, there. And so uh, physically, uh, she's doing much, much better. She still has some burning sensation in her, where the smoke inhalation and stuff had burned her uh, esophagus and stuff her throat uh, but that's also some of the tube that they had down so she's doing better from some of that but there's a lot of emotional uh, issues that are going to go on there uh, this is the one that we mentioned last week that uh, she was in the home uh, where the, the other five family members I think it's five maybe four uh, passed away in the fire and so she was the only one who survived and so we just want to continue to uplift her in prayer. She's going to have a lot of uh, healing uh, that she's going to need emotionally and, and spiritually and that support too. So I just wanted to share uh, those things uh, also. Uh, also, if you go on up the list there, Randy Alexander, uh, they had given him some medication last week, but they did have to uh, shock his heart today. And if that doesn't work, then uh, they will have to probably look at putting the pacemaker. Uh, in. And so uh, we want to remember him and him and his family uh, in our prayers. That's Miss Imogene's uh, son-in-law. And then also uh, continue to remember the Motlow BCM, the damage that they had there from the freeze back at Christmas. They're still trying to get all that work done and, and you know how slow things are uh, with all of that. Uh, Dennis McCullough, who is Samantha's brother-in-law, uh, there's some slight improvements there, but still a lot that he's uh, not regained in functions and things with uh, his speaking and stuff. And so it's kind of hard and difficult for his wife. And then uh, the aggressiveness that's come out from that too, that sometimes comes from that, that's kind of eased off a little bit, uh, but just continue to remember him and, and his wife, uh, Sherry, in your prayers. And then also um, Jason Curtis, uh, who is the pastor at Liberty, just continue to remember him. He lost his wife back in November last year. Uh, and still dealing with a lot of grief and struggling with that. Jason Ramsey, they have moved him to a facility down in uh, just north of Huntsville there. And so we want to pray for him. Uh, he's the former pastor at Center Grove. And so a lot of things uh, that are going on there with them. Uh, there's a few others that I wanted to share that are not on our prayer list, and we probably won't add them, but I uh, just want to encourage you to remember my mom. Uh, she uh, fell and did something to her ribs there and was hurting some from that. So keep her in your prayers. My brother Kenneth, who has been here before, uh, he uh, pastors down in Fort Pierce. Uh, he's had some uh, issues going on also, and they don't know what's causing some of his. Uh, his vitamin D was low, his B12 was low, uh, just not the kind of same thing that Carrie, but he didn't have the COVID. Uh, he had that sometime back, uh, but not recently. 
and just not having a lot of energy. And then my brother Kevin, who is also, so I felt like I thought I was the one falling apart <laughs> and it's all the others, but we have our times that we go through. But my brother Kevin, who lives near my mom, uh, he has been diagnosed with a type of arthritis. He's two years younger uh, than I am. He was in the military also, so there's some effects of things that he had there. Uh, but he's been diagnosed with some type of arthritis. He's got something going on with his discs in his back where that's, uh, I don't know if it's degenerative or he's just, it's brittle there. So he's looking at having an injection uh, there. And then um, uh, the other thing with my brother and this pastor, he also has a, a lump of some kind uh, that they're looking to figure out uh, what, is, what is that uh, on him. And so they both have several things that are going on. And then my mom who had fallen uh, with some of the things that she had going on there. So keep all those in your prayers. Uh, as I look on Facebook there, I don't see any other requests. Are there any others here or any other updates? What's her name? Judy Warren. Judy Warren. W-A-R-R-E-N. Okay. And you said she's where? Murfreesboro. Okay, so remember uh, Judy Warren uh, in your prayers. Uh, she has cancer uh, and they've called hospice in and she's at St. Thomas. So we want to remember her in prayer. This is Miss Linda Doubt's sister. So. And I usually repeat all those things and say all those things because especially those people who are at home can't hear what you're saying from out there through the microphones as well as those who are on the phone live streaming too to make sure they can hear what you've said. So that's kind of why I repeat a lot of times what you've said. And it also helps me to make sure I got it correct. Anything else? All right, I don't see any other hands or any other comments there on Facebook. So uh, if you need to give us a prayer request, you can always do that at any time. Just call our church office, uh, send us an email, send us a, a text message, however you need to do that. And we'll be sure to get that information uh, out there on, uh, to, to everyone uh, to share that prayer request uh, with them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us. And Father, we just thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have to come before your throne of grace even tonight uh, to worship you, to uh, talk to you, to fellowship with you, uh, to just come before you, Lord, and seek your mercy and your forgiveness for any sin that is in our hearts. Lord, we know you are an almighty and a holy and righteous God, and there is a uh, sin within our hearts that as we come into your presence uh, lord the light of your truth shines into our hearts and makes that known even more and so father i pray that if there is something we have done that has been sinful or maybe something we failed to do uh, that you've commanded us to do that is sinful we ask lord that you would forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness with the precious blood of jesus christ lord we pray that uh, your holy hand will be upon us uh, to restore us to a right relationship with you. Uh, send the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to lead us and to guide us into truth. And may your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths to guide us in everything that we say and all that we do, that we might walk on that path of righteousness for your name's sake. And so, Father, as we come to you in prayer tonight, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you. And we know that if we hold on to any sin in our heart that we don't confess to you, your word has told us that you will not hear from heaven. And so, Father, we don't want that to happen because we're interceding. Many of our prayers are interceding on behalf of many other people. And so we just want to uplift them all before you. And so, Father, we ask for your cleansing forgiveness right now of any sin that we might confess before you. Father, as you forgive us of those sins, as you show us mercy that we don't deserve, as you shower us with your grace, Father, I pray that you will hear our prayers from heaven on high for those, Lord, especially that we have uplifted to you, Lord, especially those that we mentioned tonight or maybe that are on our prayer list, maybe others that are on our hearts that don't know Jesus 
as their Lord and their Savior. Father, that is the ultimate thing we ought to be praying for people about, is praying that they're, they're for their eternal salvation. Uh, Lord, that they would know where they're going to spend eternity with you forever. Uh, for Lord, we know that a healing can come, and that's only temporary because death eventually will come for all of us. And so, Father, we just pray that first and foremost, you will use whatever these situations are that the people are on our hearts that are going through, or maybe these that are on our prayer list that don't know Christ. Use it, Lord, to bring them to that place of, of calling out to you and acknowledging their sin and, and repenting of their sin and b believing and trusting in what Jesus did for them on the cross. And so, Father, we just pray that you would use us in whatever way that you can and will in our church to be a witness to these individuals, to come alongside them, to encourage them, to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we just pray that ultimately you'll bring them to that faith in Christ. But, Lord, we know that there are many others who are on this prayer list who already know Christ, and, and they just need your healing touch upon them. Lord, each one of these, uh, many of these are physical needs, and uh, whether they're saved or lost, and we just pray for your, your physical touch to be upon them. Lord, that you'll make yourself known to them. Father, we pray that you'll bring that healing to them. Lord, that we might testify uh, of the great and mighty hand at work in their lives, that, that you brought that healing physically, but I pray that we'll be even able to testify of the spiritual healing that you brought to them. And so, Father, be with those who are walking through these difficult times. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them, uh, that you will encourage them, uh, that you will help them to know that you have not left them nor forsaken them, and that you will see them through to the other side. And Father, I pray that uh, you will help those who are believers to keep trusting in Jesus, knowing that ultimately our home is with you in heaven. And we anxiously look forward towards that day that we'll see you face to face. So until that day, Lord, we pray uh, that you will just have your hand upon these people, have your hands upon us, send your Holy Spirit to guide us. Uh, Father, we just pray that uh, your will will be done, your work will be done in our lives. And we pray for our church, Lord, as we continue into this new year of 2023 and the first month is already gone. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will help us to make the most of every moment of every day that we have uh, to make Jesus known to the people around us. And Father, I pray that'll be through our words, that'll be through our actions, that others will hear and see the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for the many other needs that are represented here, not just the physical. We know that along with that goes along many times spiritual needs, uh, emotional needs, family needs, financial needs, whatever those needs are. We know, God, that your word has told us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So we ask, Lord, on behalf of these individuals, that you would shower them with your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. We know they don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And so, Father, we just come before you humbly asking that in your mercy you will show us uh, that grace. And, Father, that you will meet the needs of each one of these individuals in their lives. Lord, continue to be with our missionaries around the world and protect them. Keep them safe in all the work that they are doing and sharing the gospel. Open up opportunities like never before. And, Father, I pray that as we continue through this year as a church, Lord, may you help us to, to realize and to see things and to experience things that maybe as a church we've never experienced before in seeing your hand at work, seeing you lead us uh, into the future as we seek to follow you in everything we say and all that we do. And so, Lord, as we come tonight to study your word in the book of Hosea, I pray, God, that you will speak to us powerfully there and help us to realize, uh, Lord, these truths and the application from it to our lives, uh, that we'll be able to practice these truths in our hearts, uh, that we'll live in the truth of your word uh, from Hosea chapter 4 through chapter 7. And we just pray, God, that you will let your word go forth and not return void. May it be powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, I pray that you'll use it to renew our hearts and renew our minds and to help, uh, help us, Lord, as you let your word lead us and guide us uh, in the darkness of this world uh, like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask your blessings on this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Hosea chapter 4 through chapter 7. Chapter 4 through chapter 7. We're going to be covering a lot. And you're going to find out in just a moment that Hosea covers 
uh, a lot in these chapters. And so in the first three chapters of Hosea, you'll remember uh, that we've looked at Hosea's marriage. Uh, It's one of the most strange and one of the most amazing marriages ever recorded uh, in history because we'll remember that God told Hosea, he told him the preacher to go and to marry a woman who was a prostitute, and he did, and the children were born. And it wasn't very long that it became very apparent to him that they weren't his children. And so he confronted her. She goes back to her life of prostitution. And and in that condition, uh, she ultimately hits bottom, becomes a slave. uh, And and Hosea uh, saw her down in the marketplace, you'll remember last time, and he purchases her to himself, half-priced, brought her home, restores her as his wife. That's Hosea's marriage. You come to chapter 4, though, in the book of Hosea, and things begin to change all the way through the conclusion of the book. So where chapters 1 through chapter 3 has kind of been a narrative, if you will, a story telling us what's happened in Hosea's life. Now we're going to get to the message of Hosea. Uh, What is the message God has given him to give to the people of Israel? Now you'll remember from your sheets that we gave out before of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah. It's the kings of Israel that Hosea is primarily preaching to, although this has application to Judah, which is the southern kingdom, and has application for us uh, even today too. And and so these these messages are built on the marital experience that God gave to Hosea. And it's rather difficult to follow these chapters, uh, these messages of Hosea. Uh, There's not a great deal of order, if you will. So it's not like uh, in in a synchronism type of order uh, here. Uh, Not a kind of a a great deal of progress to them, if you will. They seem to kind of jump all over the place. Uh, And so Hosea sometimes jumps from subject to subject. And he keeps moving from picture to picture. Uh, And so keep in mind that Hosea is a man whose heart has been broken. Uh, When your heart has been broken, it's difficult to think uh, in in logical terms or to express yourself uh, that way. Uh, And so God has broken the heart of Hosea uh, so that he might get a little bit of understanding of the broken heart of God uh, when his people are guilty of spiritual idolatry and and spiritual uh, harlotry and prostitution. When, When we forsake God who we are to be, uh, we are to be the bride, he's the bridegroom, and and yet we sometimes go off after other gods. Now, when you read this in the King James Version, uh, the word that's used here is whoredom. Uh, We also have to, and so that's a very strong word there, but we have to keep in mind that these chapters have a great deal of judgment in them, that when Hosea delivered them, he doesn't deliver them out of hardness in his heart. Uh, and that's where you got to be careful as you're reading this. You know, it's kind of like uh, when we send text messages to one another, uh, you, I might write the text message in, the, in, a, in a loving tone out of my own heart. But when you read it, you're going to read it out of the emotion you're feeling. And, and so you may feel anger when you read it. And so you can take the same words I wrote in, in a loving way and read them in an angry way. And so as you're reading Hosea, it's the same way. You could read Hosea out of a loving tone, or you could read Hosea out of an angry tone. And so some people, when they look at the Old Testament, uh, that's why they look and they say, well, that's a different God in the Old Testament than the New Testament. The New Testament's a God of love. We see all this in, in the Old Testament. He seems to be like a God of anger. Well, you have to realize here, this is not out of anger. Uh, this is out of brokenness uh, in his heart. Uh, and so keep that in mind. He doesn't deliver this out of the hardness of his heart. He delivers his messages out of the brokenness of his heart. And that teaches us that when God has a message to give us of judgment in the Bible, he doesn't give those messages to us with, with some kind of vindictiveness, with some kind of hate in his heart. Uh, but he gives them to us as a loving husband who is grieved because of our unfaithfulness when we wander uh, from him and don't serve him as we ought to serve him. So we're going to look here for a, for a few more weeks here at Hosea's messages. 
Uh, and so you may ask, why am I taking you through uh, this Old Testament book of, of centuries of old uh, found in the pages of the Old Testament? Well, the reason is because this is the Word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says that all Scripture, not just the parts we like, not just the, the cushy feel-good Scriptures, uh, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, which we don't often like, for correction, which we certainly don't like, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, for whatever was written in former days, so this is in the New Testament where this is written, talking about the Old Testament, everything that was written in former days in the Old Testament was written for our instruction. So sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they say, well, that's not relevant to where I am today. It is. The, the New Testament says so. It says all that was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so that's the message that we're going to see of Hosea. Although he's talking about judgment, you're always going to see by every prophet in the Old Testament, when there's a message of judgment, there is always the glimmer of hope in those messages. And so that's the second reason that we go back to a passage like this is because when you look at the condition of the land, uh, of the heart of the land of Israel uh, and God's people at that particular time, there are many frightening parallels to where we are today in modern America. So I believe in these messages of Hosea that God has a message for us uh, for Christian America even. Uh, Thomas Jefferson once said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. If, Je if Thomas Jefferson wrote that in his day, what would he write today if he were writing about the condition of America in light of the fact that God is indeed a just God? In Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to find immediately, uh, we're going to immediately find ourselves in a courtroom. Uh, God has, uh, God is the prosecuting attorney. Uh, it says the Lord has a controversy. It means God has gone to court. God has indicted a nation. He hauls the nation into court uh, to pursue and prosecute the case. Uh, we're going to read in these verses. And so first of all, he lays before us the charges. The charges, and that's what we want to see, first of all, is the charges. What are the charges that God registers or makes against his people? Well, he kind of gives us a bill, if you will, of particulars, if you please. No notice in verse 1 that he charges the nation with an intellectual defection. Notice uh, verse 1 there in chapter 4. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy, has an issue, if you will, with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Now think about who he's saying this to. He's not saying this to pagan Syria. He's not saying this to the Babylonians that would come later. He's saying this to his own people, his own land, to the northern kingdom. He says in the northern kingdom there is no faithfulness, there is no steadfast love, and there is no knowledge of God in the land. And so he gives us those things that, that there is no truth, there is no mercy, there is no knowledge in the land. Those three things really tie together. The third one is the first one, no knowledge of God in the land. The word for the, for the knowledge of God there is a very intimate word. It's a word uh, that, that you use when, uh, of a wife and a husband uh, in their relationship together. Uh, that's that knowing each other. So the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve. He's saying here that the land, uh, the people have no intimate relationship with God. Now, they know about God. Uh, they could give you all the right answers about God. They had knowledge about God, but they didn't have knowledge of God. They didn't have the relationship. You know, it, it's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know God in a personal way. So you can have it all up here in your mind about God and know all the facts of the Bible, but if you don't have it in your heart, and you know him in your heart, that's totally different than knowing him up here. Jesus himself said in John chapter 17 and verse 3, he said, and this is eternal life that they know you, 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so eternal life is based on our knowing him. What's the knowing him he's talking about there? He's not talking about intellectually knowing him. He's talking about relationally knowing him. And so there's what we see here for the nation of Israel is that there's this intellectual defection here. As the result of that, there's no truth in the land. Uh, and, and so uh, you see this crisis uh, of truth, uh, of no truth being in the land. When people turn away from the knowledge of God and they turn, the, the, when they turn away from God, they're turning away from truth. One of the things we experience in America more and more in our culture and have for the last several decades is what philosophers and cultural uh, people call postmodernism. Uh, that means we're living in an area where there's no such thing uh, in the minds of many people as an absolute truth. Uh, I mean, if you were to do a poll today amongst many high schoolers or middle schoolers or college age uh, students, the majority uh, would say there's no such thing as absolute truth. And, and so when you cut yourself off from the God of truth, then you come to the position that there's no such things as absolute truth. But we know that to say that there's no, no absolute truth is an absolute absurdity. Uh, there was a guy who asked the question, do you believe that there's any such thing as absolute truth? Uh, he was asked that question and he said, no, there's no absolute truth. And the fellow said, well, are you sure there's no absolute truth? And he said, I'm absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth. Well, you just made an absolute truth there. You know, it becomes a very dangerous situation when a nation begins to determine the truth on the basis of what each individual wants to think about truth. So when you make, in other words, when you make up your own truth, and that's what we're doing even here in our own nation. You know, truth today is according to, to how each individual feels it. I, I feel, you know, I feel it's this way. Well, wonderful, that's your truth. Or, or I feel it that way. Well, wonderful, that's your truth. You know, we have the idea that you can believe anything that you want to, and if it feels good to you, if it's right to you, then that's your truth. And nobody else has the right to tell you what the truth is because your truth is truth to you. And so I'm here to tell you that God doesn't surrender his moral absolutes because a nation departs from his truth. Uh, no knowledge of God, no truth. No mercy, no kindness uh, in the land. So when a nation intellectually defects from God and comes to the point that it doesn't believe that there's an absolute standards of right and wrong, then that nation begins to become a brutal nation. What have we seen over the last decades in our nation? Brutality on a scale that we have never seen before. It becomes a cruel nation. And that's what we become. I mean, just look at even the TV programs and the movies that are popular today. I mean, it's, it's like uh, at, around Halloween time and around this time, they have to put out the scariest movies that there are. And, and it has to be worse than it was the previous time they put a movie out. And, and it's got to be more and more and more. And, and so we are guilty of intellectual defection. That's charge number one. But charge number two is found in verse two of Hosea chapter 4. So verse chapter 2, verse 2 of chapter 4 says, here's some of the things that he begins to list. He says, there is swearing. Uh, that's us. There's lying. <laughs> Again, check the box. There's murder. Check the box. There's stealing. Check the box. There's committing adultery, check the box. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Every single one of those things you see on an exponential scale like you've never seen before here in America. We are guilty of moral corruption. When you cut yourself off from the knowledge of God, then you move into the area of moral corruption. And, and this is really kind of the Old Testament Romans chapter 1. When you read Romans chapter 1, you'll notice that it says that they didn't retain the knowledge of God. And when they didn't do that, they went down the tube morally. And so what you have here in Hosea chapter 4 verse 2 is is this ugly catalog, if you will, of Old Testament Ten Commandment violations. I mean, let's look at some of them by swearing. That's cursing. I mean, think about the language here in America. The, the language that's spoken 
by our children is an embarrassment anymore. Uh, we become a profane generation, a cursing generation, and that's not just the guys, that's as much the women. Uh, you see it on social media, you see it on the movies, you see it on TV, you hear it more and more. Uh, there's the cursing, there's the swearing. Then notice the lying. It happens all the time. It happens from the White House to the Poor House. We even try to justify it by calling it something different. We say, oh, it's just a fib or, or a little white lie. Or it's an oversight, or it's a misstatement, or I was just bluffing, or it's an exaggeration. It's just a partial half-truth. I was just joking. And so we try to whitewash over uh, what, what it is. And then he goes on down the list, killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. You see, anarchy. And we have seen anarchy over the last 10 years in our nation uh, almost as bad and even worse sometimes uh, than it was uh, even in the, the civil rights movement days when things got bad then, which shouldn't have been bad uh, to start with then. You know, one murder after another, and you see we have so many murders in our cities, they have to keep a running count on them. I mean, you can't drive down the interstate and see the signs that say so many have died on the interstates. That, that kind of total is kept of every city all across Tennessee and all across the United States of murders. And you have to keep that running total. And people murder for all kinds of insignificant things to get somebody's shoes or to get somebody's clothes or just a little money or because somebody cut them off on the highway. And we see murder, moral corruption, in America. So charge number one is an intellectual defection. Charge number two is a moral corruption. And charge number three, we may not like this one, is environmental pollution. Wait a second, preacher, what you doing? You going to be in a tree hugger on us here? <laughs> Notice what the Bible says here in verse three. Therefore, what mourns? The land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts, the animals of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And, and, and you think about this, this is our Father's world, and we ought to take care of our Father's world. Now, I don't think we ought to become a tree hugger. I don't think we ought to become overboard because of a tiny fish or an owl or whatever that we don't uh, progress with things and do things that we want to do with that. But I do think that there is a proper regard and a concern for the environment. I mean, we don't want somebody just going out to the, to the creek over here and pouring a, a bunch of fuel over in it, do we? I mean, you think about that. That's environmental protection uh, that we need to have there. And so he's saying right here that it all ties together. When people begin to sin against one another, they sin against the very earth that God has given to them. And sometimes, even in the environment, we see the judgment of God upon the nation. You think about the natural disasters that have happened in America in recent years. You think of the hurricanes. You think of the fires that are breaking out in all kinds of places. I believe I read this past Tuesday, yesterday evening, uh, there were fires in Pigeon Forge area, some of the cabins over there. again. You remember the fires that happened a few years ago over there? And there were more fires over there again. You've heard of the fires in California. And you think maybe sometimes God uses those disasters in our environment to try to wake us up and to bring us to our senses that God is charging us with a spiritual unfaithfulness to him. Those are the charges. Then he moves down through these verses and, and we're going to see the causes. What's the cause here? So here's the charges, but what's the cause? What are the causes uh, of this kind of behavior? Now, we're going to kind of jump around some here. We're going to start with verse 6. But verse 6 uh, goes on to tell us here. Let me get scrolled up here. The causes. Uh, verse 6 goes on to tell us. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. 
And, and so you see some of the cause here, uh, because we're not going to be able to deal with all the scriptures here. But in verse 6 there, he gives the root cause of the whole situation. You could paraphrase that to say that because you refused to recognize the revelation of God, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to receive my judgment. That ties into what he said back in verse 1. No knowledge of God in the land. So the root cause of the whole situation for Israel was there was no knowledge of God. The root cause of our whole situation in America is our lack of the knowledge of God. That people have rejected God. And then when you read it down in the latter part of verse 6, he says, And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I'm going to also forget your children. So he's talking here about their ignorance of God. Uh, think about the people who do come to church. You think about the percentages of people attending church seem to be dropping every year. Some people read their Bible. But most don't even open their Bible uh, throughout the week. We're told a majority of people pray, but you wonder, really, are they, are they really praying to God? The fact of the matter is we're living in a time where there's very, very little knowledge of God in the land, and the people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, you don't think that's true? Open up any social media platform and you start scrolling through to see what people are talking about, what people are doing. Let me show you why in America there's little knowledge of God. He puts the blame right where, back where it belongs. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, the more, the more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. The more they increased. Who are the they? You know, we tend to use that sometimes. They did this, and we just use it as a generic term. Who are the they here? Well, look, when you look back to verse 6, uh, you see uh, that he's talking there about the priests. He's talking about the religious leaders. He's talking about the spiritual leaders. And he says, they were increased, so they sinned against me. And then you go on down to verse 9, and verse 9 goes on to say, and it shall be like people like priests. So get what he's saying here. He's saying the reason there is no knowledge of God in the land is because of the spiritual leaders. In other words, so go the spiritual leaders, so goes the nation. Now, we haven't dealt a lot with this, but you know it's true that even as you think about it tonight, one of the real problems in America and one of the root causes that there's so much ignorance of the things of God in this land is because of the unfaithfulness of those who are called spiritual leaders, whether that's a pastor or any other kind of spiritual leader. As spiritual leaders go, so goes the church, and as the church goes, so goes morality, and as morality goes, so goes the nation. So the blame of the moral mess of America comes back to here, to the church We've not done all that we should have done throughout all the generations in sharing the gospel and reaching out to, to disciple those who are believers. And so there are some great spiritual leaders that are out there. But when you see the landscape of America, you see the low morality and the poor behavior of so many who are spiritual leaders. And, and you know why, they're in such, why we're in such a mess in this country because of that. So no wonder the people are living the way that they're living. Another thing is there's immorality, there's idolatry. And so you go on down to uh, verse uh, 12, uh, and you'll see that in those days uh, they had uh, sticks. Uh, they would uh, throw them down. Verse 12 says this. Uh, it says, uh, my people inquire of a piece of wood. And their walking staff, and I think I have a different passage there in, in 5. I don't have the 6, 12. Uh, passage on the screen, uh, but the 612 passage or 412 passage says, my people inquire of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles for a spirit of whoredom has led them astray and they have left their God to play the whore. Uh, and so in other words, what they would do is they would take a stick and they would throw it up in the air and whichever way the stick landed, that's the way we go. That's what we do. That's the choice we make. So lay all the choices out there, throw a stick up in the air, which way it falls, that's the choice that we're going to make. You know, as we think about that uh, and they, they throw it up and they do that, you know, that's just about as silly as some people today who, who seek counsel and help and sources 
uh, that they trying to find it in, whether, you know, in days before it used to be the newspaper, you'd turn to the, to the, to the columnists there that, that people would write into to get advice from. And, and most of those people were, were ungodly people. They didn't know God. Uh, sometimes people would pick up horoscopes to read, well, what's the horoscope say uh, about my life and, and think they can read the stars and find out things to do. I've even seen on social media now uh, that there are people who will do a live stream uh, they'll have a, a little stick thing that's sticking out with a string or a rubber band on it. They'll have something hanging on it. They'll have like four choices on a board below. People are constantly commenting and asking questions. Uh, they'll ask a question, am I going to get a boyfriend this month? She'll let the thing go. It goes flopping all over the place, and then it finally lands and points to one of them. And she'll say, that's the answer. And, and that is out there regularly on social media. That's the kind of thing he's talking about here, kind of like a Ouija board kind of thing here. Uh, and based on where it stops, that's the end. So you understand this, that your direction isn't going to be found in the stars. Uh, your direction isn't going to be found in, in some kind of uh, device there or in godless counselors. Uh, your direction is going to be found in the scriptures. You know, people go to all these things instead of going to the Word of God, instead of going to godly counselors who can lead them to the things of God. And so no wonder we're in the mess that we are in America. And so Hosea begins to give some graphic, detailed pictures here. And so I want you to see uh, in chapter 6 and verse 4, I do have that verse uh, for the screen here. And so flip over to chapter 6, verse 4, because we're not going to look at every verse. Uh, because these are uh, all uh, messages that he's presenting to them. He says in verse 4, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? That's another name for the northern kingdom, Israel. Uh, what am I to do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? That's the southern kingdom. Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. And, and so Hosea is confronting the people here about their phony spirituality, their immature spirituality. He says, your goodness is just like the morning dew. I mean, you go out there in the morning and the dew's all over the grass and it's sparkling and it looks wonderful. The sun comes up and poof, it's gone away. He says, your goodness is just like that. It's pretend. Uh, it's there one minute. Uh, it's, it, what he's saying here basically is, is as the children of Israel, you're professing revival. You're making trite apologies. You're making artificial repentances. Uh, they were pretending to have revival and to get right with God. And Hosea says that God says, I'll have none of it. It's just passing. It's like the unsettled morning dew. And so we need to ask ourselves, what about our devotion to God? How real is our devotion to God? Is our devotion like the morning dew? Uh, look over to chapter 7 and verse 8 where he gives another picture. Chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Ephraim, northern kingdom again, mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now you might think, what in the world is that? Well, he's using pictures all throughout his messages here to illustrate a point. In those days, they cooked on an open stove. They would cook these cakes, kind of like pancakes. You like pancakes? You know, we like pancakes, but it's kind of like pancakes. Uh, and, and he said Ephraim is like taking, a pan, taking that batter, pouring it on top of the stove uh, for them to make a pancake, and you don't ever turn it. What happens to the bottom side? It burns. What happens to the top side? It's raw. Never gets done. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, Israel, you're like a half-baked cake. There's no depth to you. You have the right creed, but you don't have the right conduct. You have the right belief, but you don't have the right behavior. Here's the second question we need to ask about our devotion to the Lord. How deep is your devotion to the Lord? Does it change your life? Does it make you behave in a different way than others around you? And then look at the next one in, in Hosea chapter 7 uh, and verse 9. Uh, here's another vivid picture. Hosea 7 verse 9 says, Strangers devour his strength, and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him, and he knows it not. And so what a vivid picture that is. He says Israel's like a man who has gray hair, but he doesn't realize he's getting gray hair. Now, how absurd is that? Every one of us look in the mirror, and you can tell when you're getting gray hairs. Sometimes we're trying to pick them out to keep them from coming, but you know what they say when you pull one? 
to come back. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true, but it, it seems to happen that way. The point of it is this, that's so contrary to nature. We know when we get gray hairs. Uh, there was a man who came in from work one day and his wife was crying and he said, honey, what's the matter? And she said, oh, I looked in the mirror uh, today and I saw a gray hair. And he says, now, honey, listen, I want you to know I loved you when you were a brunette and I loved you when you were a redhead and I loved you when you were blonde and I'm going to love you when you're fully gray-headed. <laughs> you know, that's the way it is. You know, sometimes we worry about that. You know, even young people sometimes today are dying their hair to look gray. You know, it, we see gray hairs, and to us that's un unnatural. But this is unnatural here in that they don't see it. They don't even see that they're getting gray hair. He's talking about people who have lost it spiritually, and they don't even realize they've lost it. Other people can see it. Their family can see it. Those around them can see it. They've lost it spiritually, and they don't know it. The gray hairs are there, but they don't see them. This kind of reminds you of Samson in the Old Testament. Samson, who had the power of God upon his life, and Samson, who had won so many battles for the Lord when God's power was upon him. But there came a time when God's power left Samson. The Lord left Samson. The Philistines came, you remember, and Delilah said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but she had cut, her, cut his hair, and Samson got up and shook himself, but he didn't know that the Lord had left him. The question we need to ask is, has the Lord left us? The gray hairs are here, and the gray hairs are there, and maybe you don't even know it. Here's the next question, how strong is your commitment to the Lord? Look down to verse 11. Verse 11 says, Ephraim is like a dove, silly and without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. What's he saying there? What's, what's the picture here uh, of a dove doing? He's saying to Israel, you're like a bird brain. That's essentially what he's kind of saying there. You're mindless. You're clueless. You're running from one nation to another nation trying to find security. You're, you're like a dove bird who, who hops around from one place to another. You know, when you think of that, you think about those who church hop. They go from one church to another church to another church. They never get plugged in. They never get stable. They never get solid in, in a church just bouncing like a silly dove from place to place. How stable is your devotion to the Lord? Look on down to verse 16. And I don't think I have this one on the screen either, but verse 16 says, They return, but not upward. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So he's comparing them here to a treacherous bow. What does that mean? A faulty bow. So you think about a bow that shoots arrows. If you have a faulty bow, what's going to happen to it? It's going to cause you damage. It's going to cause you hurt. Uh, when that bow breaks or the strings on it break, it's treacherous, it's faulty. You can't use it. You can't shoot the arrow correctly. The question for us is how reliable, how dependable is our devotion to the Lord? So we've seen the charges, we've seen the causes, and finally we come to the consequences. The consequences. Go back to chapter 5, if you will. Chapter 5 and verse 12. Notice what he says here. He says, But I am like a moth to Ephraim, and like dry rot to the house of Judah. Hosea begins to lay out some of the consequences here. They're going after gods instead of being other gods, instead of being faithful to the one true God, to the God, their savior, and these unbelievable pictures uh, that we see here. And then he says this in verse 13, he says, uh, when Ephraim, uh, he says, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah, his wound, when Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king, but he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. This is God talking here. You know, years ago, uh, what he said there in verse 12, uh, years ago when you put your clothes away for the winter or the summer, you used to have to put mothballs with them. Why did you have to put mothballs with them? Keep the moth away. Because what would the moth do? It'd eat your clothes. Uh, a lot of our clothes are treated nowadays, but uh, you wouldn't even know that it was going on till you went to take them out and then you start seeing holes in your clothes. It would be slow. It would be hidden. Uh, 
Uh, So the picture here is of slow, silent, hidden decay. God's saying one of the consequences of your turning away from me is that I'm going to come on you like a moth. So think about it. Has decay gotten a hold of your personal life? It may be God's moth to wake you up. But look at the second picture that's found in verse 14. In verse 14, he says, of chapter 5, For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah, so to both countries, to both the northern and the southern. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off, and no one shall rescue and so you have this picture not only of decay, now you got a picture of devastation. The lion comes swiftly. The lion comes wreaking havoc. And so we wonder, is there havoc in our life? What is wreaking devastation in our life? Has the lion devastated your life? God's judgment. There's decay. There's devastation. And then the most terrible of all comes in verse 15. In verse 15, he says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress, earnestly seek me. Let me paraphrase this for you. God says this. He says, I'm going to go back to where I came from until you get your sen- come to your senses. When you finally hit rock bottom, maybe you'll come looking for me. And that goes right back to the message of the marriage of Hosea and Gomer. Gomer went away from Hosea and there finally came a time when his pleas were unheard. So he goes back home. He withdraws all the things he had been sending to her, hoping that Gomer would finally hit rock bottom, that she would come back to him. There is a sense in which God never departs. There is a sense in which God's presence is never withdrawn. Uh, One of God's attributes is what we call his omnipresence. The Bible teaches the omnipresence of God. That means God's everywhere. Psalm 139 uh, verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. So there is nowhere that God is not in terms of his omnipresence. But there is a sense intended in this passage in which God withdraws his guidance. If we refuse to follow him, then God just withdraws his guidance, leaves us to our own decisions, to our own demise. There's a sense in which sometimes God withdraws his grace so that there will be no wisdom, no holiness, no mercy, no love in order to bring us back. Bring us to the bottom of our situation, hoping we'll look back to God. Look at what he said. I will return again unto my place. I'll return again unto my place. The word until opens a door of hope. God is saying, I'll withdraw. I'm going to walk out. But here's the door of hope. I'm still here. I'm waiting on you until you admit your sin and you come back to me. Jesus said something like that to the nation of Israel in his day. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 38 and verse 39, he says, see your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is the one, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice that word until. God says, I'm walking away, but if you'll return to me, I'll meet you with open arms. Look at that. He says in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. So he's hoping you'll get to that place where you'll come back to him. And it says in verse 2, after two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the shadows, as the spring rains that waters the earth. He's saying, I'll walk out, but I'm waiting on you. They say, let us, and he will. That's where he wants to get you to the place that you would trust in him. Close with this. 
G. Campbell Morgan, one of the greatest Bible preachers of all times, tells a story about a girl, a young girl in Scotland who left home. She broke her mother's heart. She had decided to move to the city to live her wayward life. She hit bottom. After she had been gone for 10 years, she decided to return home. She got back to her mother's cottage at night and she was walking up the lane to the cottage and she noticed there was a light in the window. And she wondered, I wonder if that means that mama's away or, or mama's ill. When she gets to the door, to her amazement, the door's open. And she opened the door, went on in, and she says, mama, mama. And her mama said, is, is that you, Mary? She went to her mama, and, and her mama said, she said, I was, she told her mama, she said, I was so concerned. There's a light in the window. The door was open. I thought surely there was something wrong. And her mama said this. She said, Mary, there hasn't been a night in the last 10 years that you've been gone, that there hasn't been a light in the window and that the door hasn't been open. Think about that with the Lord. There's never a night, never a day, that the light's not on and the door's not open. He's just waiting on you to come back. Maybe this message is for you. Maybe this is a message for you to share with a friend. Is there any hope for you? I'm here to tell you that God says there's a light in the window and there's a door that's wide open. Just come on home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your truth and for your word tonight. And Father, I pray that as we've heard your word, Lord, we've heard the message of Hosea to the people of Israel and even to the people of Judah. Lord, that they had turned their backs upon you. We think about our own nation and where we are, God. And we think about sometimes, Lord, about those other people in America who've turned away from you. But, Lord, we know it really comes back to here. It really comes back to us. Because if we really, truly got the heart that we should have, that we should love you with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, we could make such an impact on this world not only proclaiming the truth, but living it in our lives, that they would see Jesus in our very actions as well as our words. So help us, Lord, to come truly to the place of repentance. Lord, you've told us there is judgment, but you've also left the door wide open for hope. And so, Father, I pray we would come home to you. Lord, may your will be done in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to thank you so much for being here tonight, for joining with us uh, online there. Uh, we'll be back Sunday uh, at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. I want to encourage you to come and, and join us if you can. Uh, in person, keep us in prayer. We'll be going to Mountain City tomorrow. I've got a funeral to go do up there tomorrow evening. So uh, one of our dear uh, matriarchs there of the church uh, passed away. And so be in prayer for us as we travel there uh, tomorrow and back on Friday. So keep us in your prayers too. But we'll see you this Sunday. Uh, at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. You have a blessed week and stay safe.